Deus em crucis de limites nostris, livra-nos Deus nostro, e nome de Pátria e Filho e Espírito Santo. Amém. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We can start our prayer this morning with the first chapter of Saint Luke that announces the birth of the Savior in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary two verses there in chapter 1 that we begin our prayer with this morning in which Luke tells us what happened six months after the event with Zechariah that event in the temple with all the solemnity of the Old Testament liturgy with the incense and the grandeur of the event. It was a very unique event to be able to go into the temple like that. He would have been dressed in special liturgical garments. People would have been waiting outside. It was a very special and holy event. Now, in a simple, humble house in Nazareth, completely unimportant village, probably didn't even appear in Google Maps. You can hear the braying of the donkeys, the bleating of sheep, and the chirping of the chickadees. Plus, the very people were different. Zechariah was a priest of the family of uh, Abijah, married to the dignified Elizabeth, who in turn also belonged to a priestly family, the family of Aaron. Mary, well, she doesn't have much of a tradition. She is very young. We know nothing about her background. She is betrothed to Joseph, who is of the house of David, and that connection being of the house of David will ensure that Mary's son will have legal descent from King David. Now in those two lines Luke expressly mentions that she is a virgin and he does it two times in just that short little passage. To, to, he was sent 
to God. He was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. Okay, so to a virgin. And the virgin's name was Mary. So twice he mentions that she's a virgin. And uh, the, the word we're told in Greek that he uses is parthenos. And uh, that stresses that she is both a young woman, but that she is a virgin. Parthenos can only mean that, both young and virgin. Gabriel, the angel, appears to Zechariah really in the normal setting, and Zechariah is much older. It's a very formal setting of the temple. And Gabriel is sent to the temple like he Zechariah has to go to the temple to go to this holy place to find God whereas you could say Gabriel in the case of Mary is sent to her home she was already there she didn't have to get up and go anywhere special it's as though God came to her in her normal place whereas Zechariah he had to go to God he had to go to the temple that's why we were told that Gabriel appears to Zechariah, the formal setting. It's like an inversion. Uh, Gabriel appears to, to, to Zechariah, whereas he is sent to Mary and has to kind of enter into her house. He has to kind of knock on the door. It's an inversion. It, it means that the incarnation that God comes to men, he comes to enter into our house. Previously, man had to go and leave his house and go into the temple, go into a special place and enjoy the presence of God and venerate him there. Now, he's coming to us. He's coming right here. And this is what we must consider today. Since God has come to us in the Incarnation, he has also come to us in our divine vocation. And as we prepare for the coming of, of Christmas, we want to see how we have responded to that coming of Christ in our life. We know that the first thing that the angels said is, Hail, full of grace, in the Greek, kaire, kaire. Hail is, is uh, translated is the translation of kaire. It's, it's, a, it's a rather usual Greek word, uh, though Luke doesn't use it that often, but uh, it's kind of, I suppose it's kind of like shalom in Hebrew, which, which uh, is sometimes translated as uh, peace. But it is said that the connotation with which Luke uses it suggests joy joy and uh, shalom usually means peace but the way the way um, Luke uses it here because he doesn't always use the same translation suggests that it has a special meaning of joy that you are filled with joy now the same way in which in the Old Testament Zephariah says shout for joy daughter of Zion 
Israel, shout aloud, rejoice, exult with all your hearts, daughter of Jerusalem. Shout for joy. The, the word kaide there is used, shout for joy to Israel. It invites them to, to share in the joy that the messianic liberation will, will bring. And uh, it's as though the angel is saying, shout for joy, Mary, because you will be the protagonist now in Advent. And indeed, she has an attitude of listening. She has an attitude of complete availability, complete openness, which comes to a conclusion with her fiat, her be it done unto me. And she would have remembered those words of the angel all her life. The angel said, Spiritus Santus in te descendit, Maria. Et Spiritus Altissimi abrumbavit tibi. The Spirit of the Most High will descend upon you, will overshadow you, abrumbavit tibi. This visit of the angel and the descent of the Holy Spirit on Mary was not like a, like a dart zapping in the baby. It wasn't like a, a momentary blast of grace and that's it. He will overshadow her all her life. The Holy Spirit indeed overshadowed Mary's life. Every action, every decision was accompanied by the Holy Spirit who guided her through hard times, through good times, through difficulties. And as we do a recollection today, we have to see how aware are we of this overshadowing of the Holy Spirit in our life, just as Mary was and came to be. This led to her, of course, her, her yes and, and her, her fiat and how this had such an, a powerful impact on the Incarnation. She was chosen by God to be his mother and was even prepared for that honor by being preserved free from the primal sin that had infected all of humanity. And if she was so prepared, would she be free to accept or reject? And would her answer be the, the fruit of her free will? If she was prepared before without sin, could she really be free when she accepted? Well, it is said that her redemption was already completed. It was already done. But that she had not yet fully accepted it or ratified it. She was free of original sin. That's what we celebrate in the Immaculate Conception on Tuesday. But now it's as though with the Incarnation she needed to ratify it. And that 
in a certain way also is our dilemma. Many of us are baptized as infants and our bodies become temples of God as our souls are filled with infused virtues, the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity, and even the cardinal virtues. We become not just creatures made by God, but, as St. Peter says, we become partakers of the divine nature. All that's done in baptism. And our freedom blossoms and the church is standing there responsible for our own spiritual birth as our parents did for our physical birth. We did not give birth to ourselves. Our parents brought that about for us. We did not give spiritual birth to ourselves necessarily. The, the church infused that with us. But with time, we ratify that original endowment by our free acts in our moral lives. We do it by receiving the sacraments, by the way we live our plan of life, by the sacrifices, the mortifications, the spirit of service that we live in our daily life, the apostolate. We ratify that grace. We ratify it. Something that we already had before. In the same way, Mary's redemption was completed, just as our baptism was completed. But she had not accepted yet uh, or ratified and confirmed it before she gave her consent to the, to the angel. And that's what she does with her fiat. She confirms it. She was planned for a role in the drama of redemption by God as a child is given for a, a musical career by, by his physical parents, but it's not, it's not fulfilled in the moment. The Holy Trinity never possesses a creature without the consent of the creature's will, the person's will, a free will. So when Mary had heard how this was to take place, she uttered the words that are the greatest pledge of freedom and liberty and the greatest charter of freedom the world has ever heard. Fiat me, secundum verbum tuum. Be it done unto me, according to your word. That's a charter of freedom. There is something fundamental that we have to learn here. She's pregnant now. She's waiting for the outcome now of that fiat, because that fiat, of course, took place nine months earlier. That's why we celebrated in March. But there is now, as she's waiting, she's pregnant, there's an element of the unknown, since it has not happened yet. She's full of deep expectation, deep hope 
about those plans of God and the realization of her vocation as mother of God. What it would, what she's kind of saying, what would it be like to be the mother of God? It meant that she had to be deeply faithful. Donavro liked to consider this scene of her fiat in the light of our vocation. Or rather, he liked to consider this scene in the light of Mary's vocation. Or our vocation in the light of her vocation. Her yes to the first call with the, with the fiat, but also throughout her, her life. We have all said fiat in some way. We have also all said yes to God by our vocation. But we must repeat that fiat throughout our life. She was protected and guarded by St. Joseph. But at times things that must have been difficult, there must have been setbacks. When she saw that people opposed Jesus and she heard of the attacks against her son, why are people so judgmental against him? Shouldn't he be received with more joy, with more recognition? Why is it so difficult for people to integrate him? The hostility among the leaders of the people. These must have been things that Our Lady must have had difficulty understanding, or she, or at least she must have suffered with that. But she did not doubt, she did not, she did not doubt, but she didn't always understand perfectly God's ways. And so she had to come back to this moment. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And of his reign there will be no end. Okay, okay. well, he's being attacked now. He's, he's, in, he's in all these dangers. And then she also remembered the power of the Most High will overshadow you. He'll be there. The power of the Most High will overshadow us in our vocation, in the midst of dilemmas of all our life. All our life we, have a, we really have to have a deep sense of our call. Not just a deep sense of work. Of course we have to have a sense of work and we know we get say increasingly aware of the kind of work we're doing and and uh, professional in our work and but we but most important is really that we have a deep sense of our call not just a sense of all the things that we have to do and the busyness that I have to do them like that or like this micromanage everything into a perfect schedule come to an absolute perfect use of time in every moment for me, there must be there must be many fiats during the day. The same fiats that Our Lady would have repeated, not just the very fiat of the Annunciation. Well, Advent is a time of waiting and becoming more and more aware also of that call from God and the invitation to correspond. Perhaps in fraternity, 
in a special way, in small things, the way I'm invited to correspond in cheerfulness. How am I invited to respond? In the scenes of the Annunciation from the Renaissance, the paintings, there's always uh, a large panel in the center, and on the sides there are smaller panels. Often there are scenes of, in the middle, Our Lady with the angel, and then on the sides, scenes of the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve often being shown, being expulsed from the garden by St. Michael. And uh, it's as though they're saying we've been duped. Eve was duped by the, by the, by the devil. And there in the center panel is the new Eve, Mary, who now receives that dialogue with the, with the angel, with the angel Gabriel. The center scene is in the angel Gabriel with Mary, and on the side panels is, well, the first Eve, who is also having a dialogue with an angel, but a, a bad angel. It's a sinister angel. A snake is bad enough, but that's just a way of representing him. Snake, if, if only it had been a snake. It's much more than a gar garden variety of snake. Most people don't like snakes, but uh, but that decision of Eve brought death. It was like an anti-fiat, a no to God's plans, a no to God's to God's law. But now, and we see in the central panel, Mary's yes brought life. Well, for us, the, the scenes of God's, uh, of the gospel rather, must uh, come alive again in us. They must bring a kind of existential newness to all our fiats, all our yeses. And we can ask our Blessed Mother to help us, to guide us in this. We are children of God. And through her mediation, all our yeses will be with that same cheerfulness, that same joy that the angel promises. I remember years ago, in 2002, when John Paul II canonized Saint Josemaria. I remember working on getting the new prayer cards out with the proper translation and uh, we thought well do, do we just use the same text as always but just change from blessed to saint of course we use pretty much at first we use the same picture but then we change the picture of our father but uh, perhaps you remember that he used to say in the opening phrase of the prayer to St. Josemaria, it used to say, or back then it was Blessed Josemaria, but it used to say, O God, you granted countless graces to Blessed Josemaria, your priest, choosing him as the most faithful instrument to found a day, way of sanctification, daily wife, etc. And then you make your petition. Right? 
Now it says, O God, through the mediation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, you granted countless graces to Saint Josemaria. In fact, at one point it even said, I think this was the American version, through the mediation of Mary, our mother, not just through the mediation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, but through the mediation of Mary, our mother. That was like a, that our mother was like a quote from our father, from Saint Josemaria, who liked to use the reference to Our Lady as our mother. So our fiat and how the Lord wants us to grow is, is going to be with the help of our mother. When you first made your fiat, when you first said your yes to your vocation, you would have been full of excitement. It was an adventure. I'm going to throw myself into this divine cause, this divine purpose. A lot of it had to do with bringing souls to, to the Lord, to the church, to, to reinvigorate their sense of mission, their purpose. That's what we must never let or allow grow, to grow weary or old. We have to stay updated with that drive to live the fidelity to our vocation. And Our Lady will help us, because I think Our Lady relived her fiat throughout her life. She relived it. She reignited it, kept it updated, went over those words of the angel, the angel that came to her, the angel that invited her. So you and I, our vocation, we must, we must never, never let it grow weary or, or old. In fact, we must never let Christmas grow weary and old. We have to stay updated, download all the latest updates that we need. If you, if you don't update an app, it can get slow, it can get kind of like sludgy, things don't work well. So we have to update it. Or just like when your phone gets too old, you need a new phone. You just need to update it. But it's the same basic phone just needs to be updated. What does it really mean to update your vocational sense, your sense of having a vocation from God? Well, you and I, our vocation is a dream in the heart of God. It's a beautiful expression. It's a dream in the heart of God. And it's your mission spurred on by that dream. We don't think that Our Lady really improved over the years because, well, she was sinless right from the start. And yes, it's true, she was sinless. And so it's hard to us if she was sinless to think how she improved, but she did improve with her correspondence. She kept sorry, seeing everything through that prism. Let's ask for this same improvement in the way we respond. And our Blessed Mother will help us in this task. 
I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me. In this meditation, I ask you how to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Thank you.